Beyond the Paper Gown inspires, informs, and empowers women with the latest information about our health and healthcare choices. Join in for provocative conversations with scientists, clinicians, policymakers, and innovators. Beyond the Paper Gown is hosted by Dr. Mitzi Crockover, internal medicine specialist and women's health advocate. The following information is for entertainment, educational, and informational purposes only. This information is not intended as a substitute for professional therapy or medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Hello, welcome to Beyond the Paper Gown. I'm Dr. Mitzi Crockover. Have you ever sneezed and leaked a little or a lot of urine or run to the bathroom the minute you feel the urge? Have you ever felt like your uterus is coming out or felt like you have a UTI all the time? Have you had chronic pelvic pain or pain with sex? If you answered yes to any of these questions, you are not alone. And all of these problems have one thing in common. They are issues having to do with the pelvic floor. But how many of us know much about the pelvic floor? I can tell you a lot of doctors don't know much about it either. It's a complicated area that both serves us women well, but can also malfunction. Well, luckily, we will be listening to my interview with a very knowledgeable specialist in this area, who I had the pleasure of speaking with during a recent webinar on the FemPeak platform. Thank you to Somi Aryan, founder of FemPeak, for making this interview available so I could share it with you. I have edited portions of it so that it fits our podcast format. You can see the entire interview at fempeak.ai. I have broken this interview up into multiple episodes because there is great information about a lot of topics. And just a warning, we're going to be very candid, sometimes talking about anatomy and symptoms in somewhat graphic detail. I do this so I can give you the information you may not get elsewhere, and I hope it's helpful. In this episode, we'll focus on what a urogynecologist is and does, describe what makes up the pelvic floor, and discuss when to consult a pelvic physical therapist. We'll also talk about a frequent issue for many women, and that's incontinence. I am so happy to introduce you to Dr. Jocelyn Fitzgerald. Dr. Fitzgerald is a urogynecologist and pelvic reconstructive surgeon at the University of Pittsburgh Medical Center. She's also an assistant professor of obstetrics and gynecology at the University of Pittsburgh School of Medicine. And I have to admit, I started following Dr. Fitzgerald on social media because she holds everyone's feet to the fire when it comes to women's health and women's issues. In fact, she was acknowledged as a top gynecologic influencer at, a, at the Society of GYN Surgery Conference this, uh, this past time. So I know that I've learned a lot from her, and I know that you'll learn a great deal from her as well. So welcome, Dr. Fitzgerald. Thank you so much for having me. Let's start out just really from the very beginning with an understanding of what it is that you do. What does a urogynecologist treat and how are you different than a gynecologist? It's a great question. So a urogynecologist is formally known as a female pelvic medicine and reconstructive surgeon. I am a board certified OBGYN. I did a residency in obstetrics and gynecology at Johns Hopkins. But then I did three years of subspecialized gynecologic surgery training at Georgetown University in female pelvic medicine and reconstructive surgery. So I have all the qualifications of a gynecologist, and then I subspecialized in surgery after that. So that's the training path for a urogynecologist. And in terms of what 
conditions I treat and what, you know, what surgeries was I learning in those years? I treat the bread and butter of what I do is pelvic organ prolapse, urovaginal and vaginal prolapse, um, urinary incontinence, fecal incontinence. And then on the more female pelvic medicine side, I treat a lot of recurrent UTIs, chronic pelvic pain and vulvar disorders. Okay. Well, let's talk a little bit about, I think one of the uh, ones that most people are familiar with, and I think it's surprisingly more common than we might think is incontinence. What's the role of the pelvic floor in helping to control leaking? And maybe you can talk to us a little bit about the anatomy. Yeah, I'd love to. And I, I wish I could <laughs> draw you pictures. The American Urogynecologic Society has a patient-facing website called Voices for Pelvic Floor Disorders. It's voicesforpfd.org. They have so many amazing evidence-based patient resources. Um, but in terms of urinary incontinence, I explain this to women in the context of their pelvic floor, that there are two main flavors. There's more than that when women have more medically complicated problems, but on the whole, there's something called urgency incontinence, which is that sense of, I can't get to the toilet in time. The urge is overwhelming. You don't feel like you're going to make it. That is the top of your bladder. That's your bladder having a spasm in an inappropriate moment when you actually are not near a bathroom. Stress urinary incontinence is a sphincter problem. And this is more related to childbirth increases in your intra-abdominal pressure, like chronic cough, um, chronic constipation, obesity. That is when you leak, when you cough, laugh, sneeze, jump on a trampoline with your kids. I hear that <laughs> once a week at least. Exercise running. Though that's that sort of leakage. And when we think of the pelvic floor, and a lot of women think kegels when they hear pelvic floor, strengthening of the pelvic floor. Strengthening of the pelvic floor, those muscles actually provide some element of support under the urethra that keeps women continent when they're doing an exercise or when they're coughing. So that's, that's a strength side of the pelvic floor, of the muscles underneath the bladder. On the other side, the urge urinary incontinence piece, that often comes from the opposite problem, a pelvic floor that is too tight almost in spasm. And that can cause some reflexive spasm in the bladder that leads women to feel this overwhelming urgency that's impossible to defer. Okay. And is there any way to prevent that? Um, so in terms of prevention, a very complicated question. I mean, there's a reason that you have to go to school for so long to treat these conditions. But on the stress urinary incontinence side, I'm never going to tell someone like, don't have a baby. <laughs> but nulliparous women, women who have not gestated a child are less likely to have stress incontinence. It has been disproven that having a C-section is prevent preventive for stress incontinence. It really more is thought to come from the pressure that is on the urethra during the actual like pregnancy events and less to do with the delivery itself because C-section is not enough to protect you. Um, but if you can prevent constipation, that's a huge thing. If you can prevent, you know, if you do have a reason to cough a lot, preventing that is, is very good um, to some degree. Pelvic floor physical therapy and pelvic floor exercises can be helpful in prevention for stress incontinence. On the other side, for urge incontinence, 
That's a little tougher because a lot of urgent continence is related to aging. And we can get into that a little bit and how it's affected by your estrogen levels. But you can control some of it with your diet. The dietary things you'd have to give up are things a lot of us love. Coffee, wine, (laughs) spicy foods, artificial sweeteners, Diet Coke is like, if I could ban Diet Coke, I would because it's so bad for your bladder. Um, Those are some preventive things you can do. And then if you have medical conditions, like diabetes causes an enormous amount of urinary urgency, keeping your blood sugar under control. There's other things as well, you know, like it's a myth that you should pee when you don't have to because you think you're going to leave the house. You know, things like that can train your bladder to be more overactive than it needs to be. Oh, so that explains what I'm in a, on an airplane and yes. I like go five times just because. Correct. Yeah. Exactly right. <laughs> like Pavlov dog yourself into thinking you have to go. And your bladder is very sensitive to that. Your bladder is very sensitive to external triggers. A lot of women will say like they get out of their car and are putting their keys in the door and like there, there their bladder goes. They can no longer control it. And it's that, that key in the door. Oh, wow. That- My kids are going to kill me then. Cause we've had the whole <laughs> thing go when you have to, not when you can or go when I you know. can, not when you have to. Sorry. <laughs> it's hard not to, I do it too. <laughs> wow. And so you had also talked about in pregnancy, there's might be some things that you can do at least to mitigate some of this. Yeah. Somewhat, you know, I don't want to give women this idea that like if they have a baby and they have incontinence after their delivery, it's their fault because they didn't do enough. Pregnancy is so unpredictable and delivery and its effect on your pelvic floor is so unpredictable. There is some research that suggests if you are more able to access and have some knowledge about recruiting the muscles in your pelvic floor, that will put you a step ahead for your rehabilitation after delivery. But that being said, like no amount of kegels when you're pregnant is going to be some sort of magic bullet that once your baby is delivered, you're not going to have incontinence. Okay. What about some of the devices that are on the market um, to help you strengthen your pelvic floor and, and your kegel muscles? Yeah. These are actually wonderful devices. I really um, think they're great. I don't have any one brand, you know, that I endorse over another one. Most of the research shows that just doing them is helpful. And a lot of women, if they have some biofeedback from a device on their phone, there's a lot of Bluetooth devices. I'm going to say the one that comes first to mind is an LV device. But I, again, I have no like relationship to them or any kickbacks for mentioning an LV Um, But they've been on the market maybe longer than others. And um, they do give you a lot of real-time biofeedback. And some women just need a little coaching rather than sitting there and saying, okay, I'm going to do a Kegel on my own. At least it tells you something about some measurable output about your Kegel. And the research does show that those devices, especially in the postpartum population of women who have stress incontinence, can be very helpful. You mentioned just a bit ago, pelvic physical therapy, pelvic PT, and that has really gotten more popular 
in so much that I know that people are having a hard time getting an appointment because those uh, physical therapists are booked. Why is it so popular? Who should go to it? What are some of the indications? I could not do my job without pelvic floor physical therapy. The fact that the field of gynecology existed as long as it did without a pipeline into pelvic PT is so insane to me. It would be like orthopedics existing without physical therapy. Can you imagine like getting a hip replacement and not going to rehab afterwards? And that's kind of what we're doing to women who have children. I mean, the reason it's not more readily available, of course, is because it's so common for women to become mothers and to have a delivery. So in a sense, like the demand a little bit outpaces the supply, but it was, the demand wasn't really there. I think until the last 10, 15 years when I think there's a lot of things that happen all at one time. Social media has a huge role in this, but also I think generally speaking, like anything, when women go into a field of study, they recognize the unsolved problems of themselves, their friends, their mothers, their sisters, and start to do research. When women show up, they start taking care of women's problems. And in physical therapy and female public medicine and medicine at large, that started to happen. So people were like, why am I living like this? And also the things that I think were keeping women from reaching their full potential, of which incontinence is a huge one. Maybe the biggest reason I became a urogynecologist is because the, the point in women's lives when they're starting to develop these problems or the, is the time that they are reaching, like they're reaching their peak, sometimes at a slight delay behind men because of the reproductive burden that they bear. And I digress from, from sort of what we were even talking about, but Pelvic floor physical therapy, I think, emerged in such a demand as all of those things came together. And women started saying, hey, wait a minute, I don't want to wear a diaper for the last 60 years of my life. That's just insane. And so, first of all, do you prefer that patients go with a prescription from you or can someone seek out a physical therapist on their own? And for what reasons, why would they go? What would be the most effective use of a physical therapist? Yeah. Either is fine. I <laughs> I don't care how people get there. Women are very bright. They can use the internet. They can self-diagnose in a lot of ways and say, you know, something's happening between my belly button and my knees that isn't right. If they can get to a public or physical therapist through their insurance without needing a referral, by all means go. I think that general OBGYNs are, you know, the ones who are coming out into the workforce now have been so exposed to pelvic PT that they don't, they can direct women to pelvic PT without going through a urogynecologist first. Many general OBGYNs refer women after their deliveries now without needing to see me. And so as far as what things would you go to see a pelvic or physical therapist for, we've mentioned the incontinence of any type, pelvic pain of any type, pain with sex, fecal incontinence, constipation, there's lots of other tailbone pain, other nerve conditions of the pelvic floor. And also, I think a lot of times, like even lower back pain in women, hip pain, it's helpful to have somebody with some knowledge of the complex anatomy of the pelvic floor and the musculoskeletal components of the pelvis take a look 
at what all is going on. Because sometimes in gynecology, we just see the reproductive organs. And then over on the orthopedic side, they just see the spine and the bony structures. And no one is really looking at how they talk to each other. Sure. And I think you would agree, though, that if you have some of these symptoms, you obviously want to check them out with a provider just to make sure, like, for example, constipation or recurrent UTIs and that kind of thing, just to make sure you understand what might be the underlying problem. Definitely. Sooner rather than later. Right? We do have some questions, so I will uh, go ahead and share those with you. I wouldn't think of my OBGYN for something like constipation. I appreciate the education on this. What would the conversation with my OBGYN be like for issues like constipation and mild urinary incontinence? Sure. In that particular situation, I know that we're not giving like frank medical advice, but some OBGYNs might be a little bit, I'm not sure. Probably the most they're going to really do for you in that situation, which is a very appropriate thing to do, is to talk to you about stool softeners and refer you to pelvic floor PT. That combination of constipation and some incontinence tells me that that person doesn't have great pelvic floor coordination and function. Probably the pelvic floor is contracting in times it should not. This, again, I can't speak to the exact person talking here, but if you're worried about leaks all the time, you're going to be clenching a lot. And if you clench sort of chronically every time you do something that you think might make you leak, then when you actually go to sit on the toilet and have to relax your pelvic floor muscles, for example, to defecate, you aren't able to do it because they're in spasm and that is constipation because now you can't push. So coordinating how to activate the pelvic floor muscles during a high intra-abdominal pressure event and how to breathe and relax on the toilet for toileting is something a pelvic PT can help with quite a bit. Again, the internist in me feels compelled to say that if you're having a problem with constipation and it's something new, that you may want to talk to your primary care provider as well, especially if you're in an age group that might be at risk for colon cancer or something like that. Usually not the problem, but you just want to make sure. And then there's the whole issue about irritable bowel syndrome Mm -hmm. as well. Do you want to say something about that? Full disclaimer, if you have new constipation, I do want you to go see a gastroenterologist. I mean, there's different types of, just like I said, there's different types of incontinence. There's different types of constipation. But I will say that that whole um, relationship between incontinence and constipation, and assuming that it is stress incontinence, for example, Mm -hmm. is really fascinating that you can really get into a, uh, a vicious cycle, if you will. You can. You really can. IBS, so IBS comes in its own flavor. Irritable bowel syndrome. Irritable bowel syndrome, for those who don't know what IBS stands for. Thank you so much for translating. I'm saying this is perfect. Comes in diarrhea flavor, constipation flavor, and combination. And I heard a physical therapist or read what she wrote that combination IBS is really diarrhea IBS with pelvic floor dysfunction. And I do see a lot of patients like that. They're like, my stool is not hard. I just cannot push it out. Like it will not come out. And that is pelvic floor dysfunction. They're absolutely right. I see a lot of people with that exact problem. It's very hard to treat. I mean, you really reprogramming your toileting as an adult when you were toilet trained, you know, how many decades ago? It's not easy. And it's not easy to admit to yourself that you need to be coached about like how to use how to sit on the back on the toilet 
But IBS, I don't know. What can I really sort of say about it? It's so multifactorial. Endometriosis is a huge cause of IBS. Living in a very stressful, oppressive, microaggressive environment, the pandemic is a perfect example, is, I would say, the number one instigating factor and perpetuator of irritable bowel symptoms. I mean, I've like started to just call the bowel and pelvic floor issues people have had since March of 2020. I call it pandemic pelvis. I can't tell you how many times per day people say, I never had this problem before March of 2020. I have no idea what's going on. I do. I know what's going on. (laughs) You've been like living under a threat that like you or your family member could get extremely sick at any time. Your whole life has been turned upside down. The workflow of your family, the expectations for what your future might look like. I mean, it's a really hard thing to live in such a hot pot. So anyway, that was sort of my, my take sure. on it. Yes. Right. Well, you know, again, I think that our gut, that's why we talk about going with your gut and a lot of our mm-hmm. stress is, is in our gut. So that it makes is. a lot of sense. Wow. That was a lot of good information. Here are the takeaways. Let's start with some definitions. The pelvic floor is a group of muscles that form a sling or hammock across the floor of the pelvis. These muscles hold the pelvic organs in place so they can function correctly. The pelvic organs include the bladder, which feeds into the urethra where urine comes out, the intestines and rectum, as well as the uterus, cervix, and vagina. A urogynecologist first trains as an OBGYN and then continues their training in the subspecialty of pelvic medicine and reconstructive surgery. A urogynecologist diagnoses and treats pelvic floor conditions. One of the most common pelvic floor conditions is incontinence or losing urine. Sometimes incontinence can be caused by things that irritate the bladder, like certain foods or drinks like coffee, or by infection. Usually that's temporary when the cause is resolved. But chronic incontinence could be related to a pelvic floor disorder. Urgency incontinence can be caused by bladder spasm. Stress urinary incontinence may be caused by increases in abdominal pressure that occur like with things like coughing or exercise. Stress incontinence may be helped by Kegel exercises or squeezing the pelvic floor muscles, but it's not useful in urge incontinence. Avoiding certain foods, preventing constipation, and pelvic PT may also help. Constipation and urinary incontinence can sometimes go hand in hand. If either of these symptoms are new, however, please consult a physician as they may be the first sign of certain cancers such as ovarian or colon cancer. Most likely it won't be, but if it is, the sooner it's diagnosed, the better. The pelvic floor could also be the culprit in that it may be contracting when it shouldn't, perhaps trying to keep you from being incontinent. This then causes spasm, which can result in constipation. Irritable bowel syndrome with constipation could also be a pelvic floor issue and pelvic PT can help quite a bit, so please do consult a physician. If incontinence is a problem for you, I hope this episode has been helpful. Let us know at womancentered.com. We also have a forum on incontinence to continue the conversation. I invite you to check out the rest of my conversation with Dr. Fitzgerald, where we discuss other issues having to do with the pelvic floor, including interstitial cystitis, painful sex, and chronic pelvic pain, including endometriosis. As always, thank you for joining me. I do hope you'll join us if you enjoyed today's episode. Please subscribe. 
For more information on this episode or for additional episodes, links, and comments, find us at beyondthepapergown.com or follow us on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. This episode of Beyond the Paper Gown was produced by Patrick Shambayati and Dr. Mitzi Krakow. Until next time, stay healthy and centered.